Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of According to RP on WJMS Radio. It's your girl, Rita Pierre, your host. And as always, I hope you guys are striving, thriving, and surviving in these corona-infested streets. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I am highly shocked that this is the last Sunday in the month of July. I feel like this year is on steroids. It's on some form of crack cocaine. It's literally flying by. And tomorrow will be Christmas. Watch and see. Now, I know some of you guys think I'm extra for it, but literally yesterday we were, we are, as of yesterday, we are five months away from Christmas, people. Five months away. So either way, it was a shock to me because I literally feel like I was saying, you know, um, happy. I mean, we're not celebrating July 4th, but you know what I mean? I was talking about the 4th of July just last week. And now next week is going to be the first Sunday of the month. And I don't know. I don't know. It might not be anything to you guys, but for whatever reason, I just was kind of like taken aback, like, whoa, uh, July is over, which means summer is, is, is starting to wrap up because we know when September hits, like summer is over. And so maybe that's why I'm so shocked because I'm still trying to live my best life out here in these Corona streets. But, you know, the struggle is real. (laughs) The struggle is real. And so I guess for me, I am not quite ready to enter into a full on winter season. I still feel like I have some street roaming that I need to attempt to do. So I don't know. Either way, <laughs> today we have a great show for you guys. I have an amazing guest by the name of Chef Claudie Pierre. Um, yes, we're related for those of you who might be wondering. He's one of my cousins. Um, but Chef Claudie has been in these streets for a very long time. He's been in this hospitality game for at least 20 years. He's been in these community streets probably from the moment he was able to walk Um, And he's just been doing it. He has created so many initiatives uh, for the community, particularly during this COVID time, you know, when restaurants and hospitality, you know, businesses were on like the total lockdown shutdown. He's out here, you know, creating spaces for people, creating jobs for people, giving out food. And we're not talking about just like a ham sandwich with uh, a bag of chips, like real produce, real healthy food foods. Um, So I wanted to have him on the show today to talk about his business, obviously, to talk about himself and the amazing things that he's doing, but to also talk about charity in the time of crisis, right? What that looks like. Um, So definitely keep it locked for that. You will not be disappointed. The conversation, anybody who really listens to this show knows that sometimes we can, you know, touch several topics at once. So although we will be talking about 
charity in the time of crisis. We're also going to be talking about entrepreneurship. We're going to be talking about intentionality. We're going to be talking about community activism. So you definitely want to keep it locked for this. But before we get into the meat of the show, you know that we have to go through our preliminaries. So it is now time for the Urban Dictionary Word or Phrase of the Week. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? May I have the definition? Um, what does keep keep mean? What's on fleek? Can you use it in a sentence? I am a fleek, Gillette. And it's gonna be lit. Major key. It's time for the Urban Dictionary Word or Phrase of the Week. So this week's Urban Dictionary word or phrase of the week is 730. And so Urban Dictionary has several definitions for this. But the main takeaway is that 730 equals crazy, according to Urban Dictionary. So so the term 730 outside of this definition that they gave, which is simply the word crazy or to identify a person who's crazy It comes from the motion a criminal defendant would have to file. So a 730 motion, which is a motion to see whether or not that defendant is fit to proceed in trial, if they're fit to stand trial. Right. If they're legally incapacitated and so therefore, again, would not be able to uh, proceed with trial. So that's where this term 730 comes from. But the streets always find ways to take these (laughs) take these little phrases and recycle it throughout the community. Right. So now some of the examples that I've seen here is I'm feeling 730 translated means I'm feeling crazy or outlined in the song Ebonics by Big L. If you 730, that mean you crazy. Uh, that crackhead is straight 730. Dude, that fight was 730. So I I tend to do this like little, um, you know, wheel of fortune thing, I guess, with um, these urban dictionary words. And I just kind of like look, you know, I, I close my eyes and I like any, many, money mo just to see. But it's always interesting um, to see these <laughs> to see these phrases because I've heard it. I mean, I used to be a prosecutor, so I I know this um, on the legal end, but I hear it in the streets all the time. Like, you know, I've I've heard people uh, call other people 730. They refer to other people, you know, like, oh, this person must be 730 or that person 730. And it's one of those things where it's like, unless you know, you know. But I guess that's the point of having this urban dictionary word or phrase, because sometimes we need to crack these codes. Um you know, people, people are out here disrespecting us and we don't even know what they're saying. Um, but I just thought that that was very interesting that that popped up in this uh, in the Urban Dictionary spin for the week. So if you guys have ever used that term or ever heard that term in the streets, if anybody's ever referred to you as 730 or you've heard them refer to somebody else as a 730, that is essentially what they're saying. They are calling that person crazy. They are calling that person, um, you know, they're calling you crazy if it's ever been used towards you. But again, 730 actually is a motion. It's a motion that a defendant will file to see whether or not they're fit to stand trial, which doesn't mean you're crazy. Right. You know, uh, incapacity is not necessarily crazy. There can be so many different um like levels to it. And that's that whole mental health conversation, right? Like just because you suffer from mental illnesses and stuff like that doesn't mean that you're like, you know, batshit crazy. But either way, that is the Urban Dictionary word or phrase of the week. 
So now we are up to my favorite section of the show. It is now time for the big up of the week. Watch it when you feel big up, big up. All of the woman them big up, big up. All of the girl them big up, big up. All of the woman them big up, big up. So this week's big up of the week is tied in with the womp womp of the week. So maybe I should actually start off with the womp womp of the week first and then I'll transition into the big up of the week. So the womp womp of the week goes to Judge Mary Ellen Brennan. So Judge Brennan is getting the womp womp of the week because she recently sentenced a 15 year old girl by the name of Grace to juvenile detention for what you might ask for not completing her homework. So Grace, a 15 year old high school student in Oakland County, Michigan is currently being held in a juvenile detention center for not completing her homework. So during this global pandemic, the judge thought that it was, I don't know, in the best interest of the child to tear her from her family members in the midst of a global pandemic and lock her up in a juvenile detention center for not doing homework. What makes this even worse is that Grace has an individualized education plan, which means she's receiving services, whether it be for cognitive issues or emotional issues. She is a child who is already on a plan, on a special education plan, receiving services, right? And so this is the child. And I'm saying I'm emphasizing child because I am tired of how society views children, black children, particularly. They don't I mean, they don't view them as children. They view them as adults. They criminalize them. This is a 15 year old girl, 15 years old. So we're in a society where we're letting out people in jail due to covid, but we're sentencing children to juvenile detention centers during a global pandemic. As I'm speaking to you right now, Grace has been inside of this uh, juvenile detention center for 60 days, 60 days away from her family in a juvie detention center. And now Judge Brennan, she used this zero tolerance policy and denied a motion to release Grace from the juvenile facility. Brennan problematically states, I think you are exactly where you are supposed to be. This is the problem with our justice system. Judges like Judge Brennan should not be sitting on the bench. She should not be sitting on the bench. Because if this is your determination, if this is what you feel is best for a child who is already on a individualized education plan who should be with family if this is the punishment that you are dishing out to children who do not complete homework this is problematic and this is why people i mean everybody wants to to, to say that oh we can't be making this a race thing this is exactly why we have to make it a race issue right because this would not happen to a white child judge brennan would not sentence a white child to juvenile detention in the midst of a pandemic for not doing their homework. And so where the big up of the week ties in is that I am happy to see again how the community is coming together to share this story, 
to share Grace's story, to demand that Grace be released. I mean, petitions are flying around. Um, you know, if you guys follow me on According to RP, I posted uh, the information for the petition. I uh, posted the contact uh, number, the contact information to the attorney general and prosecutor. Um, we even uh, provided the numbers to the clerks of um, Judge Brennan. You know, so, you know, encouraging everyone to call and demand that 15 year old Grace be released immediately and that she had ne she should have never been incarcerated to begin with. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's crazy to me how this how this occurred during this global pandemic. Right. It's crazy to me that these things are happening in 2020. It's crazy to me. And so it's interesting because I was looking at some of the statistics, um, you know, in Oakland County, Michigan, with respect to juvenile detention uh, centers and, and the population. Forty two percent of the kids in juvenile detention are black. Fifteen percent of the county's youth are black. Which basically means that our children are disproportionately in these detention centers and they're most likely there for reasons <laughs> that really don't require anyone to be in any type of facility period. Right. And this is why people are saying that, you know, the institutional racism has no desire to see black youths succeed when we have statistics like that. It, I mean, it's not, we're not making it up. This is not, I mean, these statistics are real. And this is why we feel the way that we feel about our education systems, about society. Like they are truly, they're truly, you know, set up so that our children can fail. When you have 15% of black youths living in a county and 42% of them are in juvenile detention centers, I am not a math major, nor do I claim to have any any ability to do math past one plus one. Um, but these numbers are troubling to me. But again, with the big up portion of all of this, because I know I can get off on my tangents when I speak about these things. Um, the big up of the of the week goes to the community for reposting. Because, again, we're, we, we can't be in all of these places at once to know this information. Right. And a lot of these things are swept under the rug because they don't want us to know, because they know that if we know we're going to rally and we're going to do what we need to do. This is not top news. Grace's story is not CNN news. It's not Fox News. It's not, you know, ABC News. And that's why it's important for us when we get wind of these injustices to spread them like wildfire, you know, within our communities and beyond so that we can seek justice. There is no reason why this 15 year old child is in a juvenile detention center because she failed to do homework. Are you kidding me? It's crazy. But again, with with our community being what it is and what I hope we continue to be, um, we'll be able to identify more and more of these issues and keep our fingers, you know, on the pulse of these things as well, too. And that's why black media, you know, done the right way 
is important. It's important because we need to be able to highlight these things. We need to be able to, to, to know what's going on and we need to be able to rally with each other um, to, to help prevent as many of these injustices as possible. So shameless plug, not so shameless plug. For those of you who do not know, I recently launched my media company, Black Ivy Media. We have our own Instagram page. So please feel free to follow me there. Um, and on that platform, like this is exactly the stuff that we are going to be talking about through podcasts, through um, op-eds, through short documentary films. I mean, there's we have, you know, there's different directions with this particular media company, but the idea is really being unapologetically black and creating a space for us to be able to have these open, candid, and honest discussions about what's really going on in our communities and how we can really get to real solutions. So I'm not really interested so much in the mainstream, what's happening in the mainstream media in that particular platform. It's more so about let's discuss the stuff that's not in mainstream media. Let's promote and let's showcase what's not in mainstream media, but that's important for us to know. So I encourage you guys to follow me there. Black Ivy Media, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're getting ready to do um, our next panel discussion, which is going to be held next week, um, next Tuesday, August 4th, um, Black Health Matters. We're going to have a panel of black physicians and we're going to be talking about the health disparities. We're going to be talking about their training. We're going to be talking about how they feel as black physicians um, working in systems that are seeming, you know, seemingly look like they are, they are, you know, set up to kill us. Um, it's going to be a very interesting conversation. So definitely keep that in your calendar. Again, we're going to be posting these things on social media. Um, so you guys can, you know, see, be aware. It's going to be, I mean, the, the panel is amazing. Um, one thing I can say I'm blessed with is being able to, to find, you know, amazing quality people to put on these panels, but definitely, um, tune in to that and follow us on Instagram. And so without further ado, we are on to the meat of the show. All right, everyone. I'm here with my very special guest, Chef Claudie M. Pierce. Chef Claudie, say hello. <laughs> hey, what's up? What's up, everybody? How y'all doing? Maybe I should say cousin Chef Claudie. <laughs> uh, you know, you try to be professional, but I already know you're going to beat me up like a little cousin. So it's okay. I'll take that. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on my platform. I know you're doing amazing things and you're a busy man in these streets. Yeah, I am. But you know what? I never have too much time. And I think the one thing about um, this whole pandemic is that I have redirected a lot of my energy to making it my business to actually like just reconnect with family and make sure that everything is is we're, we're just we're just literally spending quality time with one another again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you there. I think that we've, this is probably the most we've spoken yes. Yes. <laughs> prior to Corona. Yes. I feel like this is the most that we've spoken. We got time. Yeah. You know I mean? like we've got time. So it's like, yes, let's do it. You know? <laughs> so Claudie, I wanted you to come on today to talk about not just the amazing work that you're doing, but to really share a little bit about who you are. Like who is Chef Claudie? How did you get your start? How, you know, like, how did you even become like Chef Claudie? So just share with the people, like, who is, you know, this, this, this chef extraordinaire who is doing amazing things in the streets? Well, thank you for saying all that. I don't even see it like that. So that's the truth about it. Um, really, it started young. 
as you know, our family literally birthday parties, graduations all revolved around food, mm-hmm. obviously church, obviously we've been in this. So I've been doing it my whole life. So I literally grew up raising money around food fundraisers at the churches. I've been, um, literally cooking and helping with potlucks or big banquets since a young man. So I realized at one point I could trick my grandmother. And <laughs> I said, you know, if I wanted to taste food, cause she'll kick us all out the kitchen. Cause that's what we hung out at. We all hung out in the kitchen, but then we, we always tried to like, you know, taste the food and mm-hmm. see, you know, get some early. So we decided, I decided, Hey grandma, let me taste this. How, what are you putting in there? Oh, okay. Oh, I could take it. So I'm thinking I'm tricking her. The whole time she's tricking me into learning how to cook so that mm. she can take a rest. You know what I mean? <laughs> so next thing you know, she's like, oh, won't you start the rice? Um, I'll be in the kitchen in a couple of minutes. Yeah. And then, you know, clean the chicken off. Yeah. And and, do, and I'm like all of a sudden thinking I'm winning. And in, in fact, she's in her room resting, reading her Bible, chilling and having a good time. And then, so long story short, I end up being the one a lot, like where my siblings will come to and say, hey, won't you cook some noodles for us? Cook some pasta, mm-hmm. cook this and that, eggs in the morning. And then it just transpired into me really learning. And what happened is I actually got into a little bit of trouble in high school. So even though I was a standout football player and I was, you know, I just was, I I wanted to be a ladies man. I wanted to kind of be out there and thinking I'm a thug. Mind you, I'm a good dude. Mm -hmm. Um, Got into a little bit of trouble with the law. And also my grades started to slip significantly and I lost all my scholarship opportunities. So the only school that literally wanted me was a culinary school in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The craziest part about that is simultaneously, literally the cooking network, this is 03, the cooking network and like everyone was just taking off with all these new new cooking chefs and and it was just like everyone and their cousin was watching like, this was like right at that moment where it was becoming really, really big, you know, all the chops and all the other shows. And so I went to culinary school. So, of course, my boys back home in Brooklyn and in Jersey are like, this dude went to, to school to learn how to – he's supposed to be a football player um, and a businessman. He, he went to school to learn how to flip burgers. Like, they're cracking jokes on me. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but, but now they're all my clients. You know what I mean? I'm doing all their <laughs> weddings. Now, you know what I mean? I'm doing all their corporate events. And it's so funny because, you know, I let <laughs> – I was able to, you know, use my burger flipping degree, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then I went to the University of Pittsburgh and um, and also I have the degree of just making mistakes in business entrepreneurship early in the game. Mm-hmm. So I became an entrepreneur in about 08. So obviously that degree in itself um, allowed me now to really grow into um, someone who, who, um, as you know, I, I ask you for your counsel all the time because mm-hmm. I'm not as risk adverse. You know, I um, I do need to to have some mitigated risk um, versus my crazy self, but mm-hmm. it has taught me a lot, and um, I'm able to be this crazy guy, you know, um, that just loves his community and loves to bring fresh produce and food because I believe it's a catalytic piece to uh, to everything that we do. So as much as we don't think about it, a lot of times um, some of the things that we we take for granted is the fact that not everybody has an opportunity to eat like we do. Yeah. A lot of people like that's how you cope with certain things that are happening in 
in um, your life, whether someone got killed or there's a death or you're happy or you're sad, I'm able to show people how to prepare meals. And also uh, my company, the Eat Initiative, E-A-T, so like eating, Empowerment Awareness and Training Initiative. Mm. So we basically do live cooking demonstrations. And we also go into places when it was okay to go in and do live cooking demos. But we talk about healthy eating. We believe at the Eat Initiative that fresh produce is, uh, is a human right almost like running water. Everybody should have access to running water. And we believe with the EAT initiative that everyone should have access to fresh produce, fresh fruits and vegetables, because that is how you are able to cope. That's how you're able to be functional. So just imagine us as parents who are already hangry in the morning because we got (laughs) so much going on and we need to eat and we got, we got to get the kids together. We got to get all our businesses together. Imagine that student that's going to school, and if he doesn't have a nice, fresh piece of fruit or veggies. And when I say breakfast, it doesn't just mean 10 eggs and steak and, and you know what I mean, mashed potatoes and, and mm-hmm. potato fries. It means having a fresh parfait, some yogurt, some granola. It means having a banana. That kid would learn so much better and have a better attitude and positivity um, when, he, when he's dealing with his teachers and other students and all the stresses of being a student. So we really emphasis, um, have a big emphasis on that kind of stuff. And we've been focused on showing people how to actually take advantage of um, a lot of the different programs that are going on out here and um, just being healthier, you know? I think that's really important because especially living in New York City, there's a lot of food deserts, right? Where yeah. all, you, all, all you see is Kennedy fried chicken, crown fried chicken. Yeah. You know, there's no... like. Even the even the local, I guess, uh, produce stores don't really have fresh <laughs> vegetables, which is right. crazy to me, right? Um, so I think it's really important what you're doing because, in a sense, you're kind of deprogramming mm-hmm. a lot of individuals on, you know, on on you know what I guess what they thought was good, right? Some of the foods that they thought was was good to eat because of either culture or whatever the case is, but kind of now reprogramming them into eating healthy, into liking, you know, to eat healthy. Cause that's the other thing too. A lot of people are like, I don't like vegetables. I don't like brown rice. I don't like everything that's healthy. They're just like, I just don't like it. And so therefore they don't eat it. But now I think, you know, because I know that you've done so much work as well too with the, the American Heart Association and organizations like that. So, you know, you're talking about healthy eating, but then there's that healthy living aspect as well too, right? Exactly. And so I'm glad you touched on a point. I have students and parents from a lot of these food deserts, and this is across the nation, across the world, mm-hmm. that can't tell you the difference between an orange and a grapefruit. Hmm. And, and, and that's odd, right? Because some of us who've been exposed, like, yeah, right. But it, no, it's true. They'll be like, everything is an orange. Or um, it'll be like, hey, I'll show them a blackberry, a blueberry, and a raspberry. And as much as you think that everybody should know, they, they don't know. Like strawberries are pretty easy, but little things like that is one thing. The other thing is identifying like even with public schools or, you know, taxpaying charter schools or whatever the case may be. You have millions of dollars being sent to purchase food and also millions of dollars being spent to discard the food because a lot of the food isn't getting eaten. Mm-hmm. And then, like I, like you said, people don't like the good food because they've never had access to it. They don't, they can't identify it. But also we just weren't used to that. Yeah. We, not part of our everyday, um, you know, our everyday life. So now we're reintroducing and we're also, like you said, helping people unlearn certain things. And, and, and so then we're depositing. And the one thing that I do do is um, I know 
it is actually a food desert. But I also, we um, thank, shout out to Be Me, which is a cohort of uh, black professionals and uh, traditional, non-traditional professionals. We meet every year. And uh, they, they introduced me to a concept called asset framing. So asset framing is when we talk about our community as an asset, no longer like a liability. Mm. So although it is, uh, uh, although our communities are a food desert, I, I talk about our community as, as in, I want to invest in our community. So, you mm. know, like I know, even if it's a car, if it's a abandoned building, if I say this is, this is an asset and if I invest into it, I can make it big and there's a return on investment and we can all win. You look at it differently than saying, oh man, this is an eyesore. And I need some money so I could, you know, um, I can level this building and we won't have to look at it anymore. Same building, the same concept of raising funds, but looking at it as an asset versus a deficit or an asset versus a liability. Mm -hmm. So I'm speaking about our food deserts, which is true, as assets. I'm talking about students that are our future, students that are going to be the next attorneys and the next accountant and grooming them and using food because everyone is, is happy when food is involved. Correct? Yeah. You tell me you have a community meeting and you got free food and donuts and whatever. We're listening. We're listening. We're, we're, listening. <laughs> we're coming up. Hey, child care and food. If you got those two things, people are pulling up. I don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't care where it is. It could be in the park. It could be in any building. So what we're doing is we're leveraging that and we're teaching people by giving them food, teaching them how to do things and also allowing them to understand. Let's just say you are you 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 receive SNAP benefits or WIC. How do you transform that into saying, oh, I'm not just going to buy, you know, the things that I'm used to. I'm going to mm -hmm. start to use my farmer's market vouchers and I'm going to use these things and helping them source it. And then also people that have barriers with transportation or language barriers. We're looking at really talking to various different community organizations and just community stakeholders, i.e. churches and rec centers and just people, individuals who help us connect with people that have language barriers as well mm -hmm. as um, transportation barriers, getting lift codes and, and just carpooling to get people to fresh produce and farmers markets and farms. And then we've just started something about nine weeks ago, almost 10 weeks now. Wow. Um, Farm the families, which is a USDA grant. I didn't mm -hmm. know it existed until someone helped me and put me hip to it. Basically the government through taxpaying dollars and things of that nature has has funds to pay farmers directly. And we've been able to get what we are calling blessing boxes to families. Mm -hmm. So there's fresh produce, a mix of fresh produce, fruits, vegetables, and we're giving it to about 300 families every single week. And so amazing. It's, it's a, exactly. So it's, it's finding ways to really get to the people. And like I said, it helps people cope. We all need therapy. We all need uh, mental health checkups. We all need regular physical health checkups, spiritual. And believe it or not, food is the one thing we all have in common. Rita, that's mm -hmm. the one thing that I identified that brings us all literally and figuratively to the table. We all have to eat. I don't yeah. care if you're black, white, Jewish, European, whatever you are, Asian, we all have to eat multiple times a day. So understanding that some people have an advantage because of their access to fresh produce and their access to capital, understanding that there's an unfair advantage because a lot of our people never knew or never understood. And it's so funny because our culture is so creative that all the scraps that they always gave us, we mm -hmm. end up calling it soul food. We end up making it the best. And now it gets, our communities get gentrified and then they try to give it back to us at a higher price. Mm -hmm. And it's just funny because now that we're starting to understand enterprise and, and, and 
how to grow businesses and, uh, and, and access to capital and fresh food, we're able to really change the trajectory of the growth of our communities. And we're able to help each other grow and be healthy and make conscious and good decisions um, based on our diet. And it's, it's crazy, but, but it's very, very true, you know? I mean, and it's interesting, like, you know, how, how, you know, you're talking about the, you know, community and how important it is for like, you know, these partnerships in a sense to be created. Right. And so, you know, with you having, cause you don't, you don't just have the eat, you know, initiative, you have multiple businesses as well in the hospitality world that I want you to get into talk about, but it's just the fact that even with this gift, right, of being able to, you know, to cook and, and, and to serve and all this other stuff, how you're still using, I guess, how that dynamic is still playing out within the community, right, with these different initiatives of being able to, you know, teach people about produce and, and teach, like, you just talked about food vouchers. I don't think a lot of people even know with SNAP benefits and things of that nature that they even have these vouchers, that these things even exist for them to go. Get you know, so there's like an education that's happening with the work that you're doing, you know, on an individual level and on I think even a, in a, a more grander level than just the individual. So the craziest part is, and I, you know what, that's why I love you because you are definitely pulling out some information that we've been working on for a while. Mm-hmm. So um, shout out to my eminent team, Eminent Hospitality Solutions. So that um, literally came from me working in hospitality for years. So I worked at the very prestigious Waldorf Astoria. I've worked for Hilton, Marriott, and Hyatt. Um, I've worked for some really, really fine dining establishments um, and even country clubs. So that is my background. So what I decided to do is while I was teaching a lot of the people in the community about cooking and things of that nature, I found that there's a workforce piece that we really need to address. Mm. So working with various community organizations, because everywhere has hospitality in it. So I don't care if you're a rec center, if you're a church, if you're a local community organization, a doctor's office, you have to have people who are hospitable working for you with the customer service. So we developed um, something first, it was, it, it, we called it, I developed the curriculum, which is an eight week course called knife skills to life skills. Mm-hmm. And that curriculum basically showed people how to hold a knife, use a cutting board, pots, pans, basic kitchen essentials. And then it transformed into a lot of things like always being prepared, like having mise en place, which is a French term, for cu- a culinary term, which is everything ready and in its place. And in order to cook a really good meal, you always have to have everything, all your recipe ingredients and your procedures already ready and in its place before you start to cook. And that's what we need to do for life, the strategic planning around our lives. Um, and so Knife Skills to Life Skills became a, a slam dunk. And so we decided to keep going with it. So now we actually help place people in various different restaurants, hotels, community organizations through our workforce development program. Now, what that does is it allows us to collaborate with all these different community organizations. And not only are we giving and we're an asset to them, they're an asset to us. They're bringing us good people. They're bringing us families that are in need or families that just need some guidance. So a lot of times we, you know, we have dignity um, issues because we're like, well, we don't want to take no free fruit. Mm-hmm. No, it's better produce than at Trader Joe's and at Whole Foods that we're given. It's straight from the farm. This is top dollar stuff. And also people are like, well, I don't want to be in this program. I don't want to look like I'm broke. It's not about looking like you're broke. It's about success. It's about us growing and, and being hospitable and also finding work and jobs that are going to be here forever in a hospital, in a hotel, 
these things have been around forever and they're going to be around for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then you can eventually say from seed to selling, you can grow food and learn how to be a farmer and do urban gardening and urban farming. And it's therapeutic for those of us who, who need that mental health push, who need that physical push, who needs that serenity. And then look at how food is so such an intricate part of all of our lives. And then you can start to say, hey, you know what? Chef Claudia also has these um, visuals and these uh, virtual classes that he's doing. So now with the family, you can cook together and do two t- um, Taco Tuesdays and you can do certain things. And it doesn't have to just be Chef Claudia, all the chefs. We're really encouraging people to take this into the next level when it comes to growing your business, enterprise, um, evolving as a as an entrepreneur and also helping one another. So now we encompass all this stuff under eminent hospitality solutions. Mm-hmm. And we're excited because now our group of students are caterers and we do huge events, small events. Well, not lately because of COVID, but we're able to still train in with COVID guidelines and, 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 and cleanliness. And we're able to do and book events for corporations and drop food off and do drop-offs and they're working, they're getting paid and they're getting the, the, the real time and real life experience of working in a, in a machine of a company. And it's owned by a black man that looks like their big brother or their big cousin or, or their, their even their, their grandson. I have people on the staff that that could be my grandmother, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's fortunate because we're using food as a catalytic piece to reinvigorate and pour back in and invest into our communities, which is goes back to me speaking about asset framing and talking about our community as an asset. And when we invest this much time and food and resources into it, it helps us build it from within. So we are building each other and not someone trying to build it for us and then charging us 10 times as much for us to live in our communities. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to ask about this other company that I don't even think I knew what is Consume Container LLC? Okay. Oh, that's awesome. So this right here is my baby. This is a, a project we've been working on for about four years. Uh, you know what a big doom is? A big yes. container? <laughs> I'm Haitian. Of course I know a doom. <laughs> All my clothes were stolen in the middle of the night and put in dooms to go to Haiti. <laughs> right. So then there's the big, big containers, the metal steel containers mm-hmm. that they put the dooms in. They put everything in. They put cars in. Everything. They transport okay. overseas. And everything, right? So we, I don't know if you've seen it, but basically they are creating houses and and structures out of Mm -hmm. these big steel containers that can be moved. And so our concept is we decided to do some retail um, thoughts. So we're doing small restaurants out of these big shipping containers. Oh, wow. And then we're going to be doing some medical uh, supplies and also food and beverage supplies in these containers. It's state of the art. It's a, it's like a smart home, but it's in a container that can be moved. And the concept was moved by my brother's company and you and all the Haitian professionals that know about Haitian American Caucus. Mm-hmm. So shout out to you guys for all the great work you guys all have been doing. Um, and what happened is I was thinking of ways to extend my services to Haiti mm-hmm. after certain earthquakes and hurricane season. And what I said is I want to create something for all the food deserts, not just in Haiti, but all over the place where Mm -hmm. we can deposit a container that already is maybe on an urban garden or close to an urban garden or a farm. And we can have basically retail and, or we can put multiple containers and, and have it so that it's a hub. You can do classroom settings. It can be uh, solar powered or energy cell powered. 
It can also have a classroom in it where year round we can still go. And if there's a hurricane or something, you just pack it up. You don't have to worry about the entire structure Mm -hmm. being damaged because you can literally pack it up. It's electric, it's electronic. It's, um, it's a machine, man. It's beautiful the way they have them. And I can Mm -hmm. show you some of them. Um, and so we've been working on this concept, which is going to launch in 2021. So we're getting everybody excited about it because we're going to be able to take this with tech and even students in schools and public schools, they'll be able to use their IDs, the ones that live in uh, food deserts to get food and to learn and to be part of the workforce development, like I mentioned before, mm-hmm. and to access fresh produce. And we're going to bring it to Haiti as well and internationally. So this, this is why I like, this is what I like, exclusives, exclusive content. And this, you- this is a definitely, a, <laughs> we haven't been talking about it too much, but now that we have our, you know, our, our, some of our legal stuff in place, we are definitely happy to talk about it and continue the conversations. And we're looking for people to invest. Once again, mm-hmm. asset framing, we have all the tools. And a lot of times, you know, innovation comes from desperation, mm-hmm. you know, and we are able to be very innovative because we always been desperate. We always been our backs against the wall. Yeah. And now we're using all of those, uh, all of our skill sets to actually take us to the next level. And no longer are we doing it for other people. We're doing it for our community, with our community. So not for our community. We're doing with our community. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that that's the concept that that a lot of people are starting to understand right now. You know, I always say that everything happens for a reason and this pandemic, you know, happened happened or is happening for a reason. But I think the, the innovation that's coming out of this era right now is going to like shape the world moving forward. And so I think this for us, by us, with us uh, mentality, we're seeing it, you know, become more prominent right now as people are not only, you know, just creating, but they're not creating in silos, but they're creating together, right? They're part, they're doing strategic partnerships with each other. And I think that that's exactly what we need to move, you know, the needle forward when it comes to, you know, economic justice and all these different things that we're fighting for. And I think that what you said is 100% correct. We're seeing it, but it's not just for us, by us. It's for all by us, Mm -hmm. with us. You know what I mean? So we are moving all the cultures. And Mm -hmm. and And I have to remind people that people are looking to us for everything. And so it's just interesting to see that we're doing it for everyone. Our emphasis and our focus is us, but we're doing it. Everyone is going to take away from what we're doing right now. Yeah. We're going to change the world. We are changing the world and it's us doing it with us. Um, and also I wanted to say is uh, one of the biggest things that I, I, I have to um, admit I had to grow um, internally. And I had to understand that when we say economic development, when we say mm-hmm. workforce development, when we say um, financial development, what we're forgetting is that development actually takes a long time. Yeah. It takes longer than we want it to. That's the operative word. Than we want it to. So what happens is even if you, you're, let's just say you're working on your kitchen and you want to remodel your kitchen or you want to, you know, update your office at home. What, what you're developing it. You're developing a relationship with a, with a girlfriend or a boyfriend or, or a family member or your child. It always takes longer than you want it to. But that's the delayed gratification of it all. It's not instantaneous. It's not instant gratification. We have to be okay with the fact that building relationships take time, you know, and building development takes time and we're not going to rush it. So a lot of times we see people that want to rush, you know, community development and economic development. And I'm saying, 
we're not rushing our community development. We want to do it right. We don't want to do it fast. So what I'm saying is, and I'm urging everyone to understand is, when we're talking about this community development working together, we need to build trust. And building trust does not happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Just because you look like me, I need to hit a home run for you as a caterer, as a brother, as a cousin. I need to put you first. I need to lift you up and give you good work. If I'm screaming out, support small business and support, support black business, I need to really do my due diligence and do what I have to do to, to be a very good resource to you as well. Not mm-hmm. just say, hey, give me your money, give me your money, give me your money, and I'm never doing my part. So yeah. I'm saying that to say, all of us have a part. All of us have an opportunity to really grow and be smarter and, and do better business. What we have to do is allow time to come about. We need to start trusting smaller banks with little by little. So putting a little bit of money in them. I know we don't trust banks. We don't trust black accountants and black attorneys Mm because they know our business and we don't want them all up in our stuff. But we need to start trusting one another when it comes to that, those things. And then building our our community slowly and, and strengthening one another. And then we'll have that. It doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen. And yeah. so those are the things that I really wanted to, to just add into the equation is like development, it doesn't happen overnight. So there's some people who are naysayers and doubters. I, I even heard someone say about Robert Smith, the billionaire, who's really pushing like, oh, well, what has he done? He's been a billionaire for years. And it's like, he's been the only one, one billionaire that is not in entertainment for God knows how long trying to make a splash. And you mad because for 15, 20 years, he's been trying to say something. He's finally getting heard. What do you think he's been doing? Trying to stay a billionaire. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Like, like, so. It's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy and it takes a while. So respect the game and, and, and us as entrepreneurs and budding entrepreneurs and people who have been working in corporate who are making the transition, be respectable and be honest and be open with what you need and, and ask to collaborate and, and do business. And also us that are uh, our patrons and consumers, be patient with these small businesses, but having grace with one another and saying, hey, I want to work with one another, eating right and trusting ourselves. We talked about working out today. We talked about eating healthy. These are the things that we do have to have grace with one another. The same grace that you want people to have with you, you have to have with other businesses and with yourself. Forgive mm-hmm. yourself for making mistakes and take time and, and self-care and love on each other and talk to your family again because we've been working on our careers for so long. Now I get to have a good time talking to my cousin about building our <laughs> community. You know what I mean? Like, I'm serious and it means the world to me and I love you and I appreciate have, being on your platform and you just knowing about my businesses and, and asking me, it means the world. And now I know I'm pouring back into you and the community and we're doing it together because this is what we were raised to do. Yeah. You know That's what I mean? That's for sure. So, we were raised for this. We were built We've been for this. doing it all our lives. <laughs> we literally have been doing this literally, all of our lives. Literally like, doing community work. Translations for the community. Food yeah, for the community. <laughs> for the community. Small events, whether it's a, a wedding, it's a it's a, a fundraiser. It's what like we've been doing this all our yeah. lives. Now we found a way to make it our careers. And now we found a way to help one another. And we could make some money doing it too. Yeah. And so we are groomed for this. Yeah. And that's, that's the point that I always make. I've been talking about this a lot is we don't just want people who are experienced, who have degrees. We want people who are groomed for their position. Mm-hmm. Whether you are a politician, we want you to be groomed. We don't want just a career politician. We want you to be groomed to do the work of the constituents and the people. Mm-hmm. We want you to be a groomed activist. Even activism, you need to be groomed to be an activist. Yeah. People forget about that. And if you're an attorney, if you're whatever the case may be, 
you need to be groomed. If you're a chef or a barber, a stylist or, or a caterer or someone who's just a community uh, liaison, you need to be groomed and having mentorship and growing and using collaborations and being a mentor um, is important. And, and those are the things that I love to tell people, do it ar- around the table, do it with food. I guarantee you, you'll see another, you'll see it through another lens. Mm -hmm. And that's where I come in. And that's why I'm so thankful that even with any skill set that God has given me, I don't care if it's athleticism, if it's, um, if it's being able to connect with family and friends and business, he used my skill set of food to break the ice. He used that to get me indoors that I probably would never have gotten into Mm -hmm. had it not been for food. And so that's the door that that I use through the Eat Initiative um, and through Eminent Hospitality to really get to people. And now with the Consume Container. Yeah. And I, and, I mean, you're doing you're doing a lot and you're doing amazing things with the community, like the a lotness that you're doing. <laughs> I cannot do it alone. You'll hear me say it 10 times. Shout out to my Eat Initiative team. Shout out to my Eminent Hospitality team, the Consume Container team, my marketing team. We have been working diligently to grow it organically. Mm-hmm. We are doing a lot of strategic partnerships. I cannot do it alone. I, I definitely am thankful for the vision, but I cannot execute it without my squad. Mm-hmm. And I am blessed and fortunate to be able to be in a lot of different places at the same time because of my team. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's a blessing and I'm humbled. I really truly am. Um, and uh, you guys should definitely look out for some of the stuff that's going to be happening. We have um, some pretty big um, ads about fresh produce and food and the work that we're doing in the community, all of the consumed container stuff. Um, and then also, if you go to chefclaudiepierre.com, you will see everything that we've been talking about. Mm. And also, we're going to be putting up the virtual recipes. And one of my biggest things that's coming out, which we will be touring the book in 2021, is a book called A Thin Line Between Love and Plate. Ooh. And so, yeah. So this that's, is what I'm talking about, Claudie. Exclusives. <laughs> Drop the exclusives on the show. Drop yeah, the exclusives. A yeah, book. I haven't really shared it with anybody, <laughs> but since you family, I'm giving it to you first. Thank you. Um, thank you. A Thin Line Between Love and Plate. Um, it's going to be crazy. Big book, big pictures, high energy. Um, a lot of the Creole recipes, Chef Claudie Creole recipes. Um, a lot of stories about just, you know, growing up and mm-hmm. having fun and trying to figure it out from trying to court young ladies with food to <laughs> for my boys and my siblings to being in college and being broke or getting that that first refund check and thinking you balling out. You know, like we, <laughs> we got it all in the book. So it's a thin line between love and plate. Um, I'm excited to, to, to talk about that. It's coming soon. And we're going to be coming to a city near you with a tour. And we're going to be doing live cooking demos as the as the book tour. Yes. Uh, we're going to be using people in the community to help us with that, that day. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be high energy. It's going to be a production. Um, so all the tour dates are going to come up soon for 2021 in a, in a city near you. And we're excited, man. We're going to be uh, really blowing this thing up. So... Um, look out for all the great things that are happening, you know? Yeah, I'm definitely here for it. Definitely here for it. So now, Claudie, I know we wanted to talk about, you know, I guess the, the, the topic at hand, right? Since, you know, this episode is entitled, you know, Charity in the Time of Crisis. And right now, during this global pandemic, you know, we are in a state of crisis, right? Yep. Um, you know, and we don't, we don't even know what, what's going to happen next, right? Things are, I mean, 
people think things are looking better, but there are, there's another class of people who feel like, you know, the worst is still not here yet. And so, you know, it's, it's a really sad time, I think, for the world as we are watching unemployment rates, you know, skyrocket each and every week, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people are losing their jobs and applying for unemployment. It's just a really, really hard time, right? So one thing that I've noticed, and I, because I, you know, keep my eyes on my family and their activities, is that you have been very, very active in these streets, you know, with um, these initiatives and these partnerships that you've cultivated to feed the people, right? So yeah. I want to talk about that because. I, I, I want to talk about it more so because restaurants and hospitality, you know, industry in general has been hit very, very hard by this pandemic. You know, a lot of people who've lost their jobs first, you know, it happened in the restaurant hospitality world. And so I find it, I find it interesting and I find it amazing how as somebody who's in that industry, you know, I would not have expected restaurants to be feeding, you know, first responders and to be donating foods to the community. But here you are doing that. And I know that you had recently launched or recently, I guess, as of this pandemic, launched uh, the Third Meal Project, which is a weekly meal delivery program that provides, you know, dinners, groceries, snacks to families and elders in the in the community in need. So I want to talk about that because that's real important work that, I mean, everything you're doing is important, but this right here, because we're in this time of crisis, like I really want to talk about like this, this idea of charity and how you're, you're able to meet the needs of the people and still continue to stay afloat as a business. Man. So are you ready for this? I'm, I I was born ready. (laughs) (laughs) I woke up ready. (laughs) The way and, and the way, and first I want to thank God because you just, you saying it back to me, it like moved me again, right? And the way that I was able to is utilizing, like you said, collaborations and the community and our culture. Like I said, we grew up doing this. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't nothing foreign. We just had to tap in. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. Like I told you, like we have to tap into what we already have and what we already know to do. And it works. We grew up being a community. We grew up in our culture. We grew up doing collaborations. So those seeds right there alone are are what we do. We were able, it was March, I want to say 15th, and they started calling saying, hey, you know what? We're going to go on a shutdown. This pandemic is going to hit us harder than we imagined. We need everyone to stay inside. I'm frustrated because that was St. Paddy's Day weekend. Mm Mm-hmm. So as a restaurant, you're loading up, you're buying inventory, you're loading up the uh, schedule, you're telling everybody no one can call off, we're going to be busy. Pittsburgh is big on St. Paddy's Day, and a shout out to everybody in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's where my cafe is. Um, and also, uh, shout out to all the people that support the Third Meal pro- Project. So we already had a Third Meal Project, which is almost served as an after-school program. Mm-hmm. And it basically, it wasn't lunch, it wasn't breakfast. But we, we were able to do cooking demos, like I said, with the EAT initiative and also allow students to work and make a little bit of money or just eat. And they will always be like, chef, what's for, what's for um, third meal this week? What's for third meal this week? Because they love coming to, you know, mm-hmm. to the demonstrations. Right when that happened, I also served um, with PPS, uh, Pittsburgh Public Schools, 
on a task force for Pittsburgh public school lunches. Like I said, I'm really active and working on the, in the community with this. So I automatically, something hit my heart and pulled on my heart and said, you know, they're going to shut down schools next. So I, I said to myself, you know what, Claude, we're going to do it like this. I already purchased this inventory. I'm not going to, I'm going to be shut down for a couple of weeks. I don't want to lose it. I'm going to find a way, whether I make money from it or not, to get my staff to at least work the next couple of days. We'll buy all the PPE, the per, uh, personal protective equipment, face masks and gloves. We're going to transform all the inventory that I have for St. Patty's Day and, and feed the neighborhood for the next two weeks because everything is shutting down. Mm-hmm. The craziest thing about it, by the second day, we literally put it out there to our networks and Facebook and a couple of different people. By the second day, I had people calling me from New York City, from the papers, and we called it third meal because we've been doing it after school. So between 3 and 7 p.m. Mind you, everybody's freaking out. They don't know what to do. Zoom is just getting hot. People are just trying to figure out how to do virtual school. A lot of people didn't even have it for the first week, two weeks. Mm-hmm. But they were trying to find food. The school was trying to do lunches between 11 and 1, a. 1 p.m. And you know, like I know, nobody during that time wanted to leave the house early because you don't know what to expect outside. Mm-hmm. It's a pandemic hitting. And so by 3 p.m., we found that people were, were, were in the right frame of mind, but they were hungry and they didn't want to cook and they may not have gotten out. So we were able to get them fresh produce and resources and food. And we, we just cooked a hot meal for them. And it, it, we had such a tremendous feedback and, and love. People start sending $500, 1000 We were able to raise like literally like 20 k in like less than a month. Like it was wow. crazy. And that ain't a lot of money, but it is because we didn't expect it. Mm-hmm. And people just said, hey, we love what you're doing. We want you to pay your team. We want you to keep doing it. Keep the lights on. Keep pushing because so many people have been affected by the pandemic. And it was just our way of pivoting back and using the skill set that we already have to really pour back into an asset of a community. We didn't call it, oh, man, you know, we're done for and we, we're so broken, busted and disgusted and ugly and no one cares about us. We said, we're going to help us and I'm going to call on my community to help us. And so we said, we're going to form this third meal project and take it to the next level. And sure enough, these hot meals and this fresh produce, we were able to help. Um, as of right now, we've been able to help about 30,000 meals be prepared. Wow. We've been able to give over 10,000 uh, blessing boxes and fresh produce to different families. Like we've been able to raise, I want to say with, with the grants and everything, over $100,000. That's that the kind of amazing. Stuff. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that they're not putting in the paper. No, they're that's not. The kind of stu- that's the kind of stuff that we do because we love one another. Mm-hmm. And we're going to continue to do our, our, our hard work. And that's why we need and we need to identify resources for each other to build each other up and each other's small businesses mm-hmm. and to show us that, look, it doesn't matter if, because I had to shut down my cafe regular operations. Arnold's is shut down right now. Third Meal mm-hmm. has taken the place of Arnold's, but we haven't missed a beat because we, we have to practice social distancing. We yeah. can't have people coming in and buying coffee and tea. So we've been able to say, hey, we don't need to to completely fold our business. We want to pour back into the community. And because it's a selfless gesture and people just came to volunteer, we've been able to pay people for the last three months. Oh, wow. So providing jobs. 
providing jobs, providing opportunity to get out the house and and and, and really and mind you, we're training people with COVID focus. So mm-hmm. we're serve safe certifying people as well. So that means you're not just Joe Schmo coming in and, and pouring and 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 the way we do it is so funny, is because who do you know that don't love takeout food? Everyone loves takeout. Mm-hmm. So we use it as a community takeout. So when you get it, this isn't like a nice takeout container. You know what I mean? Like packaging the whole nine yards. So people are excited to get it. It's not like you're getting a, this, 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 this soup or, or like a sloppy meal. You know what I mean? You're getting a takeout bag. Like you're getting it from your local Chinese store, your local Mexican spot or Ethiopian or Asian food. You're getting takeout. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes this fun is community takeout. Not just, um, oh yeah, they threw some food together in this, in this, in this little container and there you go. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we're making it fun. We're, we're practicing with our marketing team to make sure that it looks the part. You know what I mean? We're not just doing anything. We're also working with everyone from legal to accounting to make sure that this is a business and yeah. that we're growing something. And we're, we're not just, we're not just going to do it because the pandemic hit, but because the pandemic hit, we're doing it and we're doing it right. So, uh, you know, we've been fortunate, man, and, and we're blessed and we're going to continue to do it because this is what, what, this is God's work. This is my ministry. I don't got to yeah. be on a pulpit to say this is my ministry. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is my ministry. This is how I am growing our community and this is how we're going to make it happen. Yeah. And it's, and, and you're making it happen. I mean, thank you. You're, you know, you're, you're feeding people, you're giving people jobs, you're, you're, you're certifying individuals so that when we do, because this COVID thing, you know, the pandemic, you know, may, may leave us, right? But the lasting effects of it is not going anywhere. We're going to be feeling the effects of this pandemic for years and years to come. And so these certifications and these, you know, tools and these trainings that these individuals are receiving, like this is going to make them even more marketable, yes. you know, in whatever other job they may take later on. So, Or if they want to start their own company. Exactly. Or if they want to, you know, if they want to partner up. And like you, like you said, this is, this the pandemic is going to hit us and it's going to be years to come before we even understand the ramifications and the benefits um, uh, and, the, and the hardships of it. But mm-hmm. what we also know is that, believe it or not, we're equipping us. And like I said about spending time with the family and, and really, you know, spending time strategically planning for our business, we now have our opportunity to turn something that could have been really bad into something that's really positive. But we have to look at the glass half full. Mm -hmm. We have to say that this is an asset. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, yes, you know, health wise, we want to make sure everybody's safe. But what we want to do is make sure that everybody understands you do not have to be handicapped completely. Even if you're unemployed, even if you're going through hardships, even if you're, 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 you want to, you want to, you want to kill your siblings or you, you're not getting along with your spouse in the house. We want to make sure that it doesn't turn into abuse, but it can turn into appreciation. We can really start to grow businesses and, and focus, refocus, realign our focuses so that we can come out of this on top. And we finally are having an opportunity for us to really look inward and reflect and work mm-hmm. on our businesses and work on our family and our relationships. And I think that's something that we really need to do right now. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's definitely important. And I think that a lot of people who might have been resistant to doing that in the beginning, right. now being like five months into this pandemic and, you know, not the two weeks that we thought was going to happen. Right. Five months later, I think people are now, some people are now starting to do that self-reflection, right? Because, yeah. I mean, this is when they're able to do it or this is when, I guess, they felt 
you know, the, the, the push to do it, right? I think the other thing that's really interesting about this time period is, is this, um, I don't know exactly how to call it, but it's, it's kind of like a, a reappreciation for charity in general, right? I think that right. charity, for whatever reason in our community, has such of a negative connotation. Nobody wants charity. Nobody wants to take charity. Nobody, you know. But I think that with everything that's going on now, like charity has kind of, I don't say it reinvented itself, but there's a new appreciation for it now during this time. And I think that we're seeing charity being performed in so many different ways, so many you know innovative ways that that people are not even recognizing that it is charity, right? Right, I think right. that that's important right now too. That because um, I know that right now a lot of people are struggling, but they do not want to take the handouts. That even though we're in crisis, they don't want to accept, you know, what's quote unquote charity. But I think that as more and more companies and organizations and people like yourself are are performing these acts of love, I think. In, in the ways that you're doing it too, right? You're not just like, you know, throwing a, a, a box together with, you know, ham and cheese and giving it to people. You're actually, yeah. you know, giving them like, you know, healthy options. You're, you're respecting their, their dignity in a sense, right? By the way that you're, um, you know, performing your, you know, community service and charity acts. And I think that's starting to help people see things in a different light too. Well, and thank you for saying that. Not only are we refocusing and seeing charity in a different light, but charity as itself and the philanthropic arena has significantly changed. Mm -hmm. So now you have corporate, large corporate sponsors and people that usually donate and people from high networks um, and affluent people, as well as people who don't have as much, but have resources, human capital. Mm -hmm. It's changing. It's, it's morphing and evolving because we are now getting the story of a lot of things that we didn't have time to get. A lot of people didn't understand. Like I was working with an ad agency a couple of weeks ago and these guys, some of the white people were from suburbs and I brought them into the hood and some of the communities and they were just like, Claudia, I would have never felt comfortable coming. I, I'm just scared. And they were transparent with me. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, I want you to see this. I want you to see that this is an asset. These are beautiful people, not people you should be running from or scared to come mm -hmm. because you got money and you're stuck in your suburbs. These people are out here. They're waving. They're saying hi. They're cleaning the streets. They're doing all these things that you don't even expect them to be doing. And I have to express to them, every dollar counts. And we need access to capital, not because we're weak, but because that's the difference. And, and, and I, I see charity as not just money. Um, it's, it's time. It's also human capital, bringing your yourself as a resource, um, as 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 a giver, and so I think you're going to see a lot of people kind of shift their behaviors because people who didn't think they ever needed charity with this pandemic, whether you're a single dad or a single mom or you know what I mean, uh, you need things. It, it doesn't mean you're broke. We mm -hmm. we have a lot of working poor people, but fresh produce. And, and, and some 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 toiletries and things go a long way when you don't have time because you're on Zoom meetings all day and you have to, you know, now you're the teacher for your student. Mm -hmm. You are you as a parent now are getting a little taste of what these these teachers have been getting. You understand what I'm saying? And, and I think teachers should still be teaching 
and and virtually whatever the case may be. But now these parents are parents, they're teachers, they're the accountants, they're the lawyers for the companies. Like it's unreal. So the demand is so strong. So I think philanthropy and charity is going to change because now you're seeing who actually needs it. There's a working functional poor class or or class that 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 even though we're blue collar and we're making money, we need resources. And it's not just for broken, busted, disgusted people. And then you're going to see a lot of ideas, innovation come from people who are actually homeless and who mm-hmm. are actually poor. And we're going to see a lot of people who are in better situations actually start to pour into the pot. So I'm, I'm excited to see what comes from this. I'm looking at it half full. And, um, and like I said, man, I, I can't thank all the organizations that I work with enough. Um, family and friends, obviously, Haitian American Caucus, the Gentleman's Factory, American Heart Association have been excellent to us. Um, we even work with some of the food retailers, uh, Monteverdi Farms and uh, the Farm to Family Program for the Blessing Boxes, um, Whole Foods. I mean, the list goes on. And believe it or not, there's some some people that we had to really get pushed back. We had mm-hmm. to say, yeah, we know you have some controversy stuff going on, but we need these resources for our community. Mm-hmm. So we need to hear a real commitment from you, not just say, hey, we need Chef Claudia to come and do a pop-up. I want a real long-term commitment. And we've been able to push back enough to get that. So I've been really fortunate enough to be able to stand in the gap for the community with mm-hmm. some of these bigger corporations that have not been able to fulfill their corporate responsibility for the communities that are their biggest consumer. Okay. Wow. <laughs> There's a, a lot going a lot going on with you, Claudia. You're always uh, you never cease to amaze me. <laughs> thank you. But it's just crazy that I never really have to sit and talk about it all at once. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, yeah. I take that hat off and I put it on another one and I'm just going, going, going. And it's crazy to sit down and have a conversation about this because it's like, wow, like in one sitting, I haven't even realized however long we've been on the phone. And I'm like, man, you know, I guess I guess we are doing a lot, huh? Yeah, a, a lot, a lot of stuff, but a lot of good stuff. Yeah. And so what I wanted to, I guess, go ahead and ask is, you know, I'm sure people are wondering, like, how can we get involved in these initiatives? Like, you know, there are a lot of, you know, chefs out there. There's a lot of, you know, maybe marketing individuals out there. Like, there's a lot of people who are listening to this, like, I need to get on this train because what I'm hearing is good. I'm about the community and this is up my alley. Like, how how can I help continue to, to push this, you know, these initiatives forward? So for people who are wondering how they can get involved in these things that you're doing, how can they reach out to you? Where can they learn more about these? I know you gave your website before, but, you know, we're a social media crowd. So is there a social media handle, Facebook, yes. Instagram? Absolutely. So you can follow me personally at Chef Claudius Maximus on IG, Claudia and Pierre on Facebook, Chef Claudia and Pierre. Um, also, uh, you can follow the Eat Initiative on every platform, the Eat Initiative, Facebook and IG and Twitter. Also, Eminent Empire is uh, the Twitter. Um, Chef Claudius Maximus, obviously, on Twitter. Um, and uh, the websites are www.eatinitiative.org, www.eatinitiative.org, uh, www um eminenthospitality.com um and then also www.chefclaudiepierre.com so please man pull up follow us uh show love donate we have so many great projects working um it has i know people are like man he just came out of nowhere but i've been working on this stuff since 2008 yeah yeah i've been in the culinary world since 2001 professionally 
So you're talking about 19 years of putting a lot of work in. And, you know, so we're not new to this. We're true to this. We are excited to be working with a lot of new partners, including Mm -hmm. family members. So thank you, Rita, for everything that you've been doing. And you are, I don't know, man, you are a gem. And um, um, I can't thank you enough for having me on your platform. Um, and all the work that people don't know you've been a part of, um, uh, you know, so we just definitely want to continue to keep working and let me know how I can help you. Let me know how I can be an asset to you because you are an asset to me. And that's, that goes for the community too. Um, shout out to everyone who's listening. Um, definitely. We thank you for tuning in and listening. I know this was probably a long one, but, uh, they've been long lately. <laughs> they've been long, but listen, I let mean, we're, 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 we're spitting out truth and we're, we're empowering people and we're giving information. So, you know, I mean, sometimes it's a little long, but I mean, we watch, ver- we watch the verses for two hours, right? Y'all could listen yeah, to, right. <laughs> y'all can get some knowledge for an hour. <laughs> so definitely shout out to me. Let me know what we can do to be an asset to any of your community organizations. If it's a virtual cooking show, if it's a, you know, fresh fruit produce, we can find a way to get it to you. I don't care where you are, what state, what country. I will find a way. I have a lot of resourceful people on my team as well as we have a lot of great resources. But we need to get people healthy. We need to live longer. And we need to make sure that we're looking out and collaborating with one another. Um, hospitality is worldwide. So is food. So let me know how I can be an asset to you. And let me know how um, we can work together. So that's that's my... Um, that's my marching orders, you know, and that's my my call to action on the call. Let me know how I can be an asset. The Eat Initiative or Eminent Hospitality or Chef Party um, or even Consume Container can be an asset to you all and how we can work together. So please feel free to reach out to me and um, and touch base, man. I'm, I'm open. I'm open to collabing. All right. Well, Claudie, again, thank you so much for taking the time to be on this platform. I mean, we, we've heard today how busy you are. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I definitely appreciate you carving out some time for us here today. <laughs> no doubt, man. And it's more to come and we can't do it without you. So continue to have this platform for people to, you know, do what they do and let's, let's keep working. So thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, everyone. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of According to RP on WJMS Radio. It's your girl, Rita Pierre, your host. And as always, have a great weekend. Have a great week. I'll talk to you guys next time. You were listening to According to RP on WJMS Radio. About time you tuned in. Tune in each and every Sunday. Can't wait to come back. 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's all online. WJMS.